Nerds International proudly presents Welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. This is a podcast all about tabletop RPGs. I'm Harrison Hunt, and with me is Nick Lamley. We. <laughs> I'm just going to keep reading these out. So um... I realised at some point, by the way, listeners, if you wonder why Nick keeps saying weird shit at the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> that Nick reads anything I put after his name in in the in the notes. That's why last week Nick said I'm a ghost, but seemed confused about why he was saying it. I think it's. I think we need to grow up, basically. Why? What's the point? <laughs> exactly. Good point. Right. So this is, as I said, this is a podcast all about tabletop RPGs. And today we've got what you say and where we talk about what we've been playing. We've got the main subject, which is going to be the incineration of the Indiana Jones RPG. And then, of course, we've got your community questions in electro letters. Oh, it's yes. It's going to be good. Yep. It's going to be good. Do you think it might be one of the best podcasts you've ever done? Should we say that right now at the beginning? This one, okay. Well, we, yeah, yeah. Why not? That's 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 predict. Well, forecast. So, what it's going to be the greatest podcast that we've ever done, or that has ever ever been done? I think ever been done. Okay. I All think right. it's going to break new grounds in podcasting. <laughs> break new cutting. Because I don't know if this is. I don't know if this has ever been done before in a podcast. But it's going to be two blokes talking about stuff. Cool boy. Oh, that's an angle. <laughs> that's an original angle. I'm thinking about pitching this one to um, Universal Pictures. <laughs> the, the movie you've all been waiting for a podcast <laughs> fucking hell that'd all be right, let's, let's do some feedback yes the feedback side the feedback side yes bitch the feedback side it's the feedback section yeah we take your comments and read them out yeah feedback bitch so John Williams I think it's the famous composer, John Williams. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah, I um, know. <laughs> he says, going through some of the catalogue of your older episodes, when I listened to your episode on the Palladium Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles RPG, you mentioned that you think they intended to add a section for human characters, but you also said the book itself lists an expansion to some superhero game that Palladium has also released. Is it possible they intended you to make human characters using rules from the hero game that they said was it, it was an expansion of? Even if they failed to mention it in the book, uh, probably yes. <laughs> I mean, it's. I, I. It seems like what he's pointing out there is that I did contradict myself a little bit on that episode, but I think that was a very confusing a book to read in general, um, with <laughs> yeah. a lot of bizarre shit in it. So I would say go back and read that. And actually, well, don't read the podcast. You'll be there for hours. Um, <laughs> listen to it. But. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually heard about recently, Nick, and I think you'll I think you'll like this. I heard about this on the Spellburn podcast. Um, oh, yeah. They told me about a new DCC expansion called Bronx Beasts, which is basically TMNT for DCC set in NYC. Oh my god! Okay, good. Sounds <laughs> yeah, good, right? Sounds fun already. <laughs> so we need to, we need to check done. that out. But yeah, yeah, we Thank do. you very much for the feedback, John Williams. Yes, you're right. Um, it, they probably are intending that you make human characters from that other book, but. Who cares? Anyway, it's rubbish, and the Palladium system is notoriously crunchy and crap and bloated anyway, so it was just to poke fun at the book, so I think it's all a bit of crap anyway. 
<laughs> Should we talk about what we've been playing? Yeah, let's do it. And it's one of these! Oi! Yeah? What you slaying? So, our Fallout Tales of the Wasteland game. Well, basically, obviously, we've had to switch to online because of the current pandemic. And, mm. yeah, we started off... Uh, we, t- we I'm running a Fallout game for the group at the moment, and we started off uh, with Tales from the Loop as a sort of hack to uh, play a story-based Fallout game in, in the Wasteland, um, which actually I thought was really fun. Um, we have changed system, but before we get into that, let's talk about the final Tales from the Loop session that we had before switching system um i think this actually was a pretty decent session because essentially what it is is all of the characters had been captured by the enclave and they were about to be experimented on in some strange gulag and then they broke out and had to find their way home anyway they they stumble across this ghoul who's recently been ejected from a cult and in order to get home this this ghoul says okay i, I can i can find find your way back to diamond city but you got to do me a favor first and she got kicked out of her cult for stealing food, and she wanted the guys to go into the cult and prove that, prove that the the, the overseer or the boss had stolen the food, um, so that she could get let back in, and also depose the leader and become the new leader, which was fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was pretty good, um, and I felt like because it was an investigative, you know, fucking uh, one where it was a lot of talking to people as well. The tales from the loop system did work pretty well. What I thought was pretty genius is one of the characters, this guy called Jack Jackson, who's a, who's a hitman, wasteland hitman. Yep. He um took a Snickers bar and slid it under the overseer's door, and then the overseer was like all cocky and was like, eh, "Well, you're not going to find anything in there, you know. I'll open the door for you, but I think you're going to be disappointed." All cocky and sure that nothing was going to happen, he yeah. opens it and like some of the other Boom. cult members were there and they just see the Snickers on the floor and he's like, um, "No, that wasn't mine." just blew up it was fantastic <laughs> such a smart move it really was i liked the way that you guys um sort of uh, punted off the old leader as well that that was cracking <laughs> oh my god yeah it was really good fun and it, and it became uh, well it's our new hideout which is really handy because we was you know broke out of prison and and uh, got back to diamond city and then you know as soon as we got home the the enclave were after us again so we knew that we were being either tracked or you know they knew where we were so we had to go underground again so we hit the road and managed to find a new safe haven luckily in um oh I forget the name now what's it called Disc- not necropolis Discordia. necropolis that's it yeah so um for some listeners may realize we're playing in the fallout one world because it's, it's southern california that's my favorite um fallout so that's where i decided to set it and then um, yeah the so so necropolis now because they saved this this the the cult from a, a leader that was a bit of a bit of a cunt they did find out he actually was doing bad stuff it wasn't all around the, yeah. the snickers um, but yeah, because they, they saved them, they're now sort of welcome there at any time. So they've been been spending yeah. a little bit of time there, and it's um, yeah, it's it's a pretty good location as well because it's it's under a um, a manhole cover. It's like in the sewers, yeah, underneath the city that nobody really goes to because it's run by ghouls. Um, yeah, and we we that was basically where the end of the session happened, and. I did find I liked the Tales from the Loop system for use of this, but I, the, the trouble is I didn't like. Obviously, it's not built for combat; it just isn't. Combat was a bit lacking. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't what it was. It wasn't what it was lacking. It was still fun to have combat, and we was managing to to, to pull it off. But it was you're right. It almost I don't know. It, it lacked a little bit. It felt a little bit less um, deadly. 
Yeah, it didn't have enough punch to it, you know, as well. Like, yeah. Because the thing is, um, in Tales from the Loop, it's a game about role-playing kids in the 80s. And if yeah. somebody comes up to you, and like, let's say, for example, you're going onto the junkyard and the old uh, the old man comes out and he's like, I thought I told you, kids. And he holds up a, a, a metal pipe to smash you in the head. All you do is, you know, you roll force, you clock him on the head and then he... He falls to the ground, and and that's the extent of combat in Tales from the Loop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in Fallout, you kind of want a bit of shit where it's you know diving behind cover, shooting people to pieces, you know. And um, that's why we made the switch to ICRPG because we wanted something realistically that would work well online. And as much as we said in the last episode, you know that um, that that Fallout is the is best done in Savage Worlds. Well, the Savage Worlds Roll20 stuff isn't amazing. And so that's why we changed mm. to ICRPG, which is a very simplistic D20 game. I, I call it an OSR game, but the guy who made it sort of objects to that. But it's it pretty much is. Um, it's, you know, rolling a D20, you've got your six stats, it's skillless, basically. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think it actually is going really well and it suits it much better because I found a pretty yeah. good Fallout hack. And the cool thing about Tales, Tales from the Loop, ICRPG, is that you um, you don't really level up in a traditional sense. You level up by getting loot, all of which gives you special abilities. So in the case of Nick, he's got a super sledge, and that means he gets double damage, uh, oh, double yeah. regular like crit damage when he gets a crit. Mm-hmm. Um, James Clark's got a, uh, a super shotgun, which gives him plus two weapon effort, which basically means plus two damage. Like, so it's little things like that. And yeah. For a post-apocalyptic game where you're finding loot, it kind of works. It's amazing. What did yeah. you think? I of got it? spiked arm. I got spiked armor, which gave me a, uh, which boosted my armor score. Um, I picked up some boots. Uh, what were them boots? Boots of masterful oh. boots. They're called. It's just masterful a um, boots. There you go. A, a real nice pair of boots. Real nice. Real nice pair of boots. Real. Not, we're talking real nice. But the uh, yeah, the loot generator is really fun because we did a um, and the level up was great as well. Because uh, well, we get to that in a bit. But yeah, that, that that's nice. I definitely think that the um, ICRPG system suits Fallout really nice, and especially when you're playing it online. Because um, yeah, it's, definitely, it's not a lot of work. Because the, the ICRPG sort of character sheets and stuff that are built into Roll Twenty are just they're, well, they're, they're they're just standard. Easy. It's a simple enough game that it's pretty easy mm. to get. You know. Mm-hmm. One of the cool things about ICRPG is the fact that it um, does away with you know with, with a, a score for your uh, for your attributes and instead just does the bonus. There's no score. There's a bonus. One dice. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So it's if, just you a add, if you add, if you get a plus one in something, that means you get plus one to your rolls. That's all it is. It's exactly. not like easy. You have to get to eighteen to get a plus three or whatever. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. pretty cool. But it's, it is cool, and especially if you roll a natural twenty and you've got a bonus, and you're knocking a twenty-three, 20, you know, twenty-three or a score or whatever. It's great. It feels good. Yeah. So in this one, the uh, in the ICRPG session, um, we kind of had it. So what happened was is that the um, there was this Vault Thirteen um, sort of Vault Dweller guy that's escaped, and they just find a shot-up corpse in Necropolis, and he's got these two hollow tapes on him that talk about a falls down. A, it falls down a well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he fell, exactly fell down the well. It was the entrance. And these holotapes that he's got on his Pip-Boy, they're talking about um, this thing called a water chip. Apparently, his vault was going to run out of water and he was sent out to get it. And uh, it was to purify water. And he got shot up and, and this and the other. So these guys, you know, um, heard about the water chip from the holotapes and also heard that a vault overseer is looking for it and thought, well, okay, well, this means, you know, this could possibly mean proper sanctuary for us. If we get the chip, they might let us in and they might also cure our many diseases. And 
shit like this. So they've gone looking for the water chip and they needed to find an information broker to to find the water chip. So like somebody that might know where one could be found. And they get to his base and they find out he's not there and that he's been left behind on a mission where they were, you know, um, trying to attack some people and a death claw was involved. So basically these guys had to rescue a gangster from a death claw. That was what From it was. a death claw, yep. From a yeah. blinded death claw. Yeah, exactly. Because one of the when they fought it previously, and the guys left their own boss behind. Um, uh, yeah, these two these two NPCs they they left their boss behind. One of them managed to get a lucky hit into the death claw and slash it in the eyes. So these guys yeah. basically had to rescue their boss from who, who was an information broker from a blind death claw. And it, I think it was a it was a pretty fun fight because what happened was is all of these guys like they were trying for the whole fight. Right, we'll sneak around, we'll chuck a rock in that direction, <laughs> make a yeah. noise. And um, blah yeah. blah, and then some somebody failed their stealth stealth roll. This character called Jack Jackson, and he got uh, he got immediately downed by the death claw. And then everyone was like, oh. "Right, fuck this!" And they all start running in to try and help Jack. Meanwhile, the the boss who was uh, in, in the other building, this gangster bloke, he just starts <laughs> legging it because he's 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 like, "Well, they've created a distraction." He's like, "Right, thanks." See you for- later, guys. <laughs> yeah, see you later. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the help, fuckers. And he starts running off into the wasteland. Oh man, yeah. what I really liked about the um, fight scene because uh, the, the, the death core had been uh, blinded, it felt like a, it almost felt like a scene from the uh, Quiet Place. You know, we were trying to like, and it, where it's like sniffing around and looking and trying to listen for us, but couldn't see. It was, uh, yeah, it was really cool, man. That was a good point. I really liked it because Nick's playing a super mutant, so obviously he's massive, <laughs> and he tries to sneak around the back of a building, and then uh, he get like a three or something like this, yeah. and I'm like, you stomp noisily through oh, the gravel, it's and horrendous. it's like, goom goom, and then um, the, the the you hear this death claw um sort of stop growling and sniffing in your direction, yeah, and Nick was like, whoops, <laughs> just really loudly. Oh mate, it was it's it's brilliant, but it's um the I tell you what, roll twenty dice rolling machine did hated us yesterday. Absolutely. Well, I don't know what Absolutely the fuck was going us. on, man. Because yeah, one of our players who um, is playing a character called Sam Bridges, who's a feminist delivery woman, um, she didn't roll uh, under uh, over a ten in the whole session. Oh, mate. I'll tell you what, next game, we I've, like what you said before, we'll definitely pick up, uh, make sure you bring a set of physical backup dice, and if the roller's being nasty, you can choose to roll in real life. Because that, that's the trouble. In real life, if your dice start rolling badly, you pick another set, you exactly. get that, the yep. bad juju yep. away from you. It gets quarantined, yep. <laughs> and you can't you can't do that in Roll20, but, and that, that's, that's kind of annoying. So I yep. did say, yeah, look, if you want to roll physical dice, just do it, because yep. this is getting silly now. Yep. <laughs> I, you didn't succeed at a fucking thing the whole night. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I remember. Uh, yeah, and and you know, the the one thing actually uh, that I wanted to talk about about Roll Twenty specifically, uh, I'm a big fan of a a random generator, right? Mm. I love tables and mm-hmm. things like that, but I tend to roll them before the game, right? So it doesn't slow down the game because you're looking through the page, you're rolling the dice. In Roll Twenty, you can just set up rollable tables. Yeah. So I've got fucking shitloads because you just do one click and it comes up. If two guys find two bits of loot, I don't have to look through my RPG book or get to the right page or anything. I just click it twice, and then there's two bits of loot there. And what's nice as well is it displays in the communal mess- message thread, so the whole everybody can see who's playing. So it just boop, pops up, hear a little noise, and then, oh, there you go, got spiked armor. Or the and random we've been encounter. using the random encounters table really from good. Savage Fallout because it's fucking awesome that as well. hilarious. We um, had two super Yeah, mutants. 126 different things. And, and, and yeah, as Nick just was just saying, we fucking we got one where there was two super mutants that were, that were roaming through the wasteland with like a battered bloke. They're holding him, taking <laughs> yeah. back somewhere. Uh, and Nick's character, he's this um, super mutant that f- had forsake 
Forsaken? Forsaken? Forsaken. He forsaked the um, the the super mutant life to learn about humans and become smarter. And mm-hmm. yeah, they'd heard about him, so they got into a big fight. So he, he, yeah, right. it was it was bad move because what is this? These two super mutants were coming towards him, and they're like, "What's your name?" And he's like, "Thost." And they're like, "Oh, you!" And then the fight starts. Ah, they just attack. <laughs> yep, we bumped into a uh, we bumped into a doctor that was um, uh, salvaging from a corpse, and he was like. We was like, oh, so can you help us out? And he's like, what do you want? I got stim packs that don't actually do any kind of surgery. And we're like, fix us. <laughs> we're still stuck in an old he game. Was, he was gathering game. spare parts from corpses to give to super mutants. No, to ghouls whose arms and legs had fallen off. Yes, yeah. The best, oh, the best one was the um, the gunslinger dude. Yeah, so <laughs> one of the encounters was just a lone ranger. That's what it was, right? <laughs> That's it, and These yeah. guys sort of, they're walking They're walking through the desert, heading through this canyon. And they see in the distance this guy with like a, you know, a big, a big wide-brimmed, hat shadow over his face guns at his side and they stop with a big distance and he just goes he, he's like you friendly because i got a big iron on my hip <laughs> and then these guys were like yeah we're friendly how about you and he's like i'm friendly if you're friendly and then the guys just sort of walked past each other all nodding at each <laughs> yeah, other like it. but still like wary you know what i mean <laughs> it was so funny and it was it was just the best random encounter ever because it wasn't really like a bad encounter. It was no, a no. pretty nice one. It was a mutually respectable one. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, you're both it, like, hey, we're all trying to survive here. And we've got no beef. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was really, really good. So we left him. I think it's, well, to be fair, we weren't in any kind of shape to be starting with a Lone Ranger after getting pretty battered by two super mutants. It was weird because the first encounter that we had was a bunch of raiders. It was like three raiders, a raider gang leader, if you like, and a, what was it, a dog. And yeah. um, made... Light work of them guys, you know, splattered them, got blasted by this super shotgun, not a problem. And then these two super mutants knocked us out, didn't they? They were well, they were tough. I don't mind spoiling this because ICRPG does does HP in terms of hearts, right? So you can either have mm. half a heart, one HP, or ten HP. And so if I tell you it's a two heart enemy, that means that's twenty HP, right? Mm-hmm. And these super mutants, they weren't like the best of the fucking best, but they were twenty HP enemies. And yeah, so what that meant was that fucking. Um, yeah, it just meant that they they were just a bit a bit of a badass. But the trouble is, is twenty HP is not that much HP when you account for the fact that there's four people, a couple of which have really good fucking weapons fighting against them, right? So I thought, you know, they'll make light work of these guys as well. You know, that's like to, before in the the raider fight, you fought four enemies, so that's four hearts worth of people, and you you yep. did it really fucking well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, fucking these super mutants, it just came. It was like botchermania because every time <laughs> these guys were swinging, it must. If somebody looked in on that fight, it would have been the most pathetic thing ever. It's people just swinging into the air, and then the super mutants headbutting people, smashing them in the oh stomach. Fucking, they were basically using AK forty seven as like bats because they oh, didn't have an mate. ammo for them. That was it. Yeah, Foss hit himself in the face with his um, super sledge. I got a crit. Yeah, because he got I? a crit fail. Yeah, uh, yeah like like bungled it, hit himself yeah. in the face. Oh, yeah, the, well, these guys came out of the the battle absolutely fucking battered because Nix the was at the time the only character in the party to have two hearts as well, and he went down to like three HP. And um, that's why when going into the Deathclaw fight, fucking Jack Jackson, the hitman, went down in one hit because he was already he was like on one HP, and he's like, right, let's go fucking kill a Deathclaw then, <laughs> and he couldn't roll over a ten. Bless him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in any case, um, I just think uh, if you're looking for a, a simple game listener that you can play on a browser and on Roll Twenty, um, ICRPG is a very, very 
good one. I, I think. Oh yeah. And it, oh yeah. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It's a very well suited game for online play. If you want to be able to pick it up, and just kind of get out there pretty quick with it. Absolutely. And mm. I'm go- I'm actually gonna before we get onto the main subject. One thing I'm I, I think I'm gonna do because of the random tables um, and because it's an OSR game as well. I'm gonna get all of my mutation tables from MCC and the American Survival Guide and stuff like this and put put it in there so that we can enjoy some mutations. That'd be awesome. Got all the yeah. got got all the resources. So yeah, fun. I love it. It's, 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 it's brilliant. It's a brilliant game so far. Yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. And uh, yeah, that's it for what we've been slaying. Mm. Um, and we're gonna get onto the main subject. Oh my god. With Indiana Jones. Main subject. Magic. Main subject. Tokyo. Main subject. I was thinking, actually, Nick, I might put in the A-Team theme tune or some other, like, 80s theme tune to see if people, like, comment and be like, be like, it's the wrong fucking song, it wasn't Indiana Jones, <laughs> even though I'm mentioning it now. Oh, yeah. Well, like, well, like, Back well, to the Future or something. Find the deliberate mistake. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, do Back to the... <laughs> do back to the... <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Or what's another film that Harrison Ford was in, apart from Star Wars? Blade, that was big. Blade like, Runner? You could do the Blade Runner music. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> the RPG that was so bad that TSR, now Wizards of the Coast, burned all the copies in a big fire. That's the story that circulates about the ill-fated movie license game of The Adventures of Indiana Jones, the role-playing game. But is this really what happened? And was the RPG really that terrible? Well, today we're going to find out. First of all, um, let's t- let's talk about Indiana Jones. Nick, I, um, describe to me what Indiana Jones is. It's a um, collection of fantastic movies that were mainly from the eighties, I think, maybe early nineties. Yes. I'm sure eighties. Um, and they star Harrison Ford as a uh, pro- well, in his day job is a pro- he's a professor at um, a university, but he's also a intrepid explorer, badass Nazi, beating superhero he's, he's fantastic yeah i mean he's he's um a professor of archaeology right and like yeah. it's like i've seen loads of memes about um what people think archaeology is like and it's like indiana jones swinging on the side of a truck <laughs> punching a guy in the face yeah. and then it's like what it really is it's somebody like brushing a little bone a little bit of brush on the bone yeah exactly <laughs> but no i mean he is like the he's the coolest um college professor you'd ever meet yeah I've got I've got to admit something though. I don't think I've ever watched a full Indiana Jones movie. That's shocking. I mate. mean, t- t- but t- yeah, well, I, n- I know what's that, going on at then, Christmas. You know, at I don't your really house. watch that many movies anyway. So I know, but Christmas when you was a kid, I mean, like you know, they always put Indy that, on at Christmas. Yeah, that is what I find weird because my dad was the biggest fan of these in the world, and I don't yeah. I don't understand why I haven't seen them. It just yeah. has, it just didn't happen. Do yourself a favor and uh, after watch watch them, watch the old ones. <laughs> All right, but I'll start. Obviously, um, I should start with Crystal Skull, right? No, that's the newest one, and it's not very good. 
It's the it's old. Got it's aliens the first in it, hasn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. Watch the first three. Well, the first three are the best. All right, all right. I will. I I, I will eventually. But yeah, um, I think I think that may, means that because I haven't really seen them, I can sort of review this game from a neutral standpoint. I will say this, listeners. Don't don't worry. I have actually done some fucking research <laughs> in this, so uh, I do know what the films are about now. Um, yeah. But anyway, let's talk about the the Indiana Jones adventure role playing game by TSR, right? Because that, that that story about it being incinerated for being terrible, let's let's figure out whether or not that is true. Let's talk about the history of the game. So the 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 license to publish an Indiana Jones role playing game was acquired by TSR in 1984. Over the next year, many su- supplements were published. One product for game masters called referees in this game, and some pewter miniatures. Overall. This game, this adventure game, right, was supported for one full year, and actual sales figures are difficult to find. But the game was produced in 1984, and TSR had the license to make the product for 10 years. So after 10 years were up, TSR decided not to renew the license, and West End Games picked it up. Now, there were quite a few copies left over, which TSR no longer had the right to sell because they didn't own the license. This doesn't necessarily indicate that the game was terrible, but it does indicate that sales didn't meet expectations, right? Mm. You know, so a lot of people, like, basically talk about how bad it was and that's why it didn't sell. I mean, that probably helped, you know, but we, but it's not necessarily the reason it was incinerated because the lack of a right to sell the game led to them incinerating the unused copies well that's the thing that's because basically just, it. they're just sitting about aren't they so it's like we, we need storage space we've got no license to sell these books what are we going to do with them yeah well not officially but they could have stuck a few on ebay i mean come on that's true well 1984 oh yeah uh, they could have posted a few out done it in free. a boot sale maybe they could have filed off the um license at the front <laughs> well i just called it like John Jones. John, John Jones is an RPG adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and they just draw a moustache on Indiana Jones to make him look slightly different. In every single picture so it doesn't look like him. Yeah, there you go, see? And then George Lucas is like, hang on, is that is that Indiana Jones? No, that's John Jones, mate. He's completely different. Does Indiana Jones have a giant moustache? Don't not. be silly. Shut the fuck up, George. <laughs> as, as many people are aware, though, pieces of the burned game were retrieved by TSR staff and encased in pewter, which became the trophy for Di- the Diana Jones Awards, yes. owing to the fact that Diana Jones was the only readable part of the burned book's cover. And these awards celebrate achievements in role-playing games, but it's rumoured that the Diana Jones Awards were created as a celebration of the end of the Indiana Jones licence, which <laughs> may indicate that the TSR employees at the time disliked working on it or were sick of seeing the unused copies around. Either way, information about the lead-up to the burning is actually quite difficult to find, it's mostly hearsay and rumours and very little fact. One thing that I do find quite interesting, however, and you'll like this, Nick, is that one of the pieces of the burnt games in the Diana Jones Pewter Award is a paper miniature which which says Nazi on it, but next to the word Nazi is a trademark symbol. This, at the time, led to rumours that TSR had tried to trademark the term Nazi, but the trademark was in fact put there because Lucasfilm infist- insisted that TSR do so. Does this mean that Lucasfilm own the trademark to Nazis? <laughs> Who knows? What the fuck? But that's mad, though, isn't it? I, I couldn't find a satisfactory answer about that, but I, but that is insane. Nazis, that is TM. T- trademarked. <laughs> it's mad. That's so weird. 
Anyway, that is about all the information about the incineration. It may be a bad game, but that wasn't the only reason it was burned. TSR didn't just show up one day and decide to burn the shitty game like everyone seems to think. <laughs> but it does mean that copies of this game are extremely expensive and rare. And I got one. You've got oh, yeah. you got one. I got I, mean, I got the box did. set. Of course you did. Yes. Yeah, you my did. boy, my boy James Clark. He got this game for yeah. me when I turned thirty, and it's taken me uh-huh. a year and a half to get round to reviewing it. So sorry, mate. But this one's for you, mate. Yeah, so I've I've got one, and um, I, I I will say this. Um, you know that when you buy a really old role playing book and it's got that distinct smell, it, it's quite oh yeah quite comforting actually. Mildew. The, this <laughs> fucking this fucking game, man. I opened it up for this review to have a look at all the pieces, and bloody hell, the stench coming from in there. I couldn't stand it. I had to put it straight back in the plastic and tape it up. <laughs> it's really bad. Oh, I don't know no. what the fuck they were doing with it, but yeah, it's pretty horrible. Oh, I just thought of something. Didn't the um didn't the Nazis burn a lot of books? They did, and maybe that's why TSR trademarked the term Nazi, because <laughs> they're, they're they're right into burning burning role playing books. Barber shop is in danger of growing stale. I'm taking it to strange new places. Do 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 do. Did the game deserve the poor sales it got, the crap support it got, and to be one of the most critically savaged books of all time? Well, let's have a little look-see. <laughs> so, as I uh, as I mentioned before, I, I actually um, know very little about Indiana Jones, so I apologise if I get anything wrong. But the book starts starts off with a little introductory story where Indiana Jones... <coughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm going to cut that. Where Indiana Jones nicks a medallion from some ruins, which is actually pretty good flavour-wise. And then there's a what is a role-playing game segment. Now, what's interesting about this part is the section is really basic and rudimentary. Like, it's like, the, the way the way it kind of describes it is, is kind of like for new players and new referees that have never played a role-playing game before. And it was like, well, yes, all of the books are like that. But it's almost written for, like, non-nerd people kind of thing. Oh, boy. The, the so, introduction. So someone that's just watched the indie films and gone like, what's the next best thing? There's no Indiana Jones action figures out. Ah, role-playing game. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. That's that's how it's written, and it's it's interesting because D and D, the way it's written, it kind of assumes a couple of things about the person that's reading it that they might have a slight idea as to what it's like or <laughs> the type of world you're playing in. But this really doesn't. Whip, and I just thought that included. was interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like they're try, trying to appeal to regular folk, yeah, and ahead. that will become pertinent later on because another thing that backs this theory up is the next section about creating characters. And I'm just going to read to you the section on characters and how you sort of get your character. You play the game through your character, making all of his decisions. Will Indiana Jones take a flying leap across the chasm, or will he look for a safer way to cross? As bullets whiz around him, will Salah risk his life to sprint through the clearing? As as the player, you make those decisions, but the world isn't big enough for two Indiana Joneses. Each player has to decide which character he will play. In this game, you can be one of the following ca- characters. Indiana Jones, Salar, Short Round, Wuhan, and so on. That's right, there are no character generation rules included within the game. <laughs> can you believe that? Oh, mate. Oh, well, you know, oh, the thing is, straight away I've seen an issue. 
So only one per. There can only be one Indiana Jones in this world. So every single time someone gets that game, opens it up with a group of friends, there's a massive fight in shoes because they all fight over who's going to be Indiana Jones. I mean, who the fuck wants to be short round? I don't know who that is, but I'm assuming it's like a like a sort of Ralph Wiggum type character. It's a really short guy. I'm gonna show, right. I'm gonna, is he round? Let me uh, let me show you short. He's got. I think. Sh- uh, oh, it's a little kid. Short round. Short short round's the little kid. I think he's the same kid that's in um, the Goonies. I'm not sure. Yeah, so so yeah, yeah. There's always going to be an argument, as you say, about who's Indiana, who's short round, and Wuhan. Um, but anyway, yeah. So there are no fucking. There are no character it, it, like creation rules included with the game, right? And you you you're given the choice of seven characters from the films. If you want to play without characters, you're shit out of luck. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. um, now your characters all have attributes, right? Which are strength, movement, prowess, backbone, instinct, and appeal, right? And these are represented as a percentage. Roll lower than your score, and you succeed. That's basically it. But if you roll one one to five percent, that's called a lucky break. Basically, the version, the game's version of a crit, mm-hmm. and if you get a ninety-six to one hundred, that's called a bad break. And it's a crit fail. Ooh. But let's talk about those odd attribute names. So, strength and movement are self-explanatory, but prowess. This is your character's ability to fight. Backbone is your guts and determination used for fear checks. So, if you're in front, confronted by snakes, and you're Indiana Jones, you might need to roll backbone. Yeah, he hates snakes. He hates snakes, and he hates inequality. <laughs> yeah. I, do you know what? I don't dislike the word backbone as a trait. I I, I actually think it's a, I actually think it's a great one because yeah. it's a little bit more broader than will and a little bit better for people to understand. Yeah, I don't dislike that at all. I think that's quite. And prowess makes work makes it. I guess that that ties in with charisma. Did you, what is it? Prowess is prowess is like your fighting ability. Oh yeah, because it's your physical prowess. Yeah, and it's it's an all encompassing stat for any fighting abilities, like be it shooting, whatever. Um, the last one is instinct, which is just for noticing mm-hmm. and also getting a read on a situation. Yeah, that's cool. So you can use instinct to like spot, you know, a sniper who's miles away, or you could use it to see if the, I don't know, the uh, bloke at the market's doing you a bad deal or whatever. <laughs> that's it, exactly. Or you might, but you know, there's the, it's you you've got to get ambushed and something's not quite right. And if you want to do a um, uh, what's it called in D and D when you want to kind of get a gauge on a Insight. person. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So yes, yeah, so it's similar to that. Yeah, it works. I like that. I like broad but, uh, the, the stat names and the way they work. They kind stats. of sync up with the Indiana Jones character. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's yeah. more pulpy, um, which I which I quite like. Oh, it's well pulpy. Yeah, you'll love the film. Trust me. It I, is, to, I really do have to check pulp, it out, mate. Um, yeah. Anyway, this this book after this right has a practice section where you take on the role of Indy and do some basic roles. Essentially, you're in a study when a student comes in, tells you of some treasure he's discovered, then he's hit by an arrow. From there, you can bolt to the window to see what happened or check on the dead student. And it basically plays like a choose-your-own-adventure, but you roll for shit. Okay. Um, and keep that in mind, Nick, because that's going to become important later. Anyway, mm-hmm. if you pick the former and go to the window, you see a car speeding off as you look outside. If you check on the dead guy, you find a map and a picture which are contained within the box set that you get, the Indiana oh, Jones yeah. box set. The map shows a location in Africa and... and um, and the picture shows a weird tower thing with an address. And then the book says, looks like this is getting nasty. You better learn how to fight. You might need to know. And then it goes Ooh. into the section about combat. Mm-hmm. And combat basically goes like this. First, everyone declares their action, right? So before we've even rolled initiative, and this is kind of an old school thing, but um, and the examples the book gives you are broad actions, like Indy's going to brawl, or specific, like Indy punches the goon. 
And that's also important. We'll get into that later because broad and specific actions, they actually do have different kind of mechanics. It does, however, say that you can keep your actions secret until your turn. So what was the point in declaring them? I'm not really sure. Mm. But then after you've done this, you determine initiative. This is done by the referee asking who wants to go. And if several characters want to go at the same time, then those characters make a movement roll check against each other. And the winner goes first. Okay. Once you've mm. determined order, you make your attribute check. So you just roll for what you want to do. And then let's say, for example, you're punching a Nazi trademark in the face. <laughs> you roll that. <laughs> you roll prowess. And if you succeed, you then determine damage. Now, stop me if you if this seems familiar, Nick. Um, cool. But to determine damage, you take a number that you take the number made on your prowess check. Refer to the modified check table, find the row that coincides with that number, then find the column that coincides with the level of your character's attribute check, which is basically a measure of difficulty. Then this will give you a color. Then you go to the check results table and find that color, and then the color will tell you how serious the wound is. Oh dear. Why? What's that about? <laughs> no, I, I, I think what they were trying to do was lump damage and the roll into one thing, because they did it in another game as well called Top Secret. Right. Just like a spy game, yeah. But anyway, it's it's it sounds more complicated than it is. Realistically, okay. you've got this little um, uh, table with all these different colours on it, and you just re basically refer to that number and that number, and it gives you how many wounds you've done, right? And then that tells you what the cut. Right? Okay. Yeah. So it's not as hard as it sounds, but when it's when it's written like that in the book, I guarantee you, anyone like you said that had seen the movies and went, "Oh, uh, I've run out of action figures. I want to play this game." You get to that and they go, well, fuck that. I mean, what the fuck's that? They see the table and just throw it in the bin. Yeah, burn yeah. it. Yeah, they put they all right, put another one on the fire. It's getting cold. <laughs> it's getting. Yeah. But anyway, once you look at the fucking chart, right? Blue is light damage. Yellow is medium. Orange is serious, and red is right. is a lucky break. Um, then you have to roll to determine where you hit. So essentially, you're damaging limbs, and there's no HP. It's just damage levels. Mm. Two light wounds equals a medium. Two mediums equals one serious, and four serious wounds, and you die. Okay. Um, and there's extra rules for cover, shooting into crowds, melee attacks. But what I thought was quite funny is that the the system where it's four wounds and you're you're incapacitated, right? Mm. So a lot very similar to Savage Worlds, and I know uh, I know Shane Hensley, who wrote Savage Worlds, is really into his pulp type stuff. Ah. And it's weird how this is very similar. And another thing, Shane Hensley, the other day I was reading Aces and Eights, right? the western game which Shane Hensley is also a big fan of he made Deadlands you know he mm -hmm. made his western game in Savage Worlds and there's um, a lot of people know the new chase rules in Savage Worlds came out right and you lay down cards to, to, to determine terrain and things mm -hmm. like this and uh, reading Aces and Eights which Shane Hensley is a fan of right and I saw some chase rules that were oddly similar to the ones <laughs> he's just come out with <laughs> I'm watching you Shane Hensley watching you buddy <laughs> yeah but to be fair Aces and Eights does look fantastic, so if you are going to borrow... Steal from anything. <laughs> do it from a good one. Steal from that. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't really care. I mean, but I, I just thought it was a funny... And I bet I bet next week we're going to review some weird fucking game, like, again, and then it's going to be like, Shane, it'll be like, you know, exploding dices in there or fucking <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah. Or there's... there's there, there, Actually, I always see this posted on the Savage Worlds Facebook group where people post a book called Savage Continent. Imagine if that was the role-playing game that say, say Shane Hensley stole from. <laughs> what originally and change it to yeah, what, yeah. We, let's just make it a bit bigger 
Savage World. So it's going to be Savage Universe next. <laughs> so anyway, um, one interesting thing the game does to conform to the genre tropes of Indiana Jones, characters that you fight are in two categories, right? Now, stop me if this sounds familiar, <laughs> oh, but you basically it. got um, goons and villains, right? <laughs> so yep. in Savage Worlds, Shane Hensley, he's got this system where it's like mooks and then the, the, the wild cards, wild cards and extras, he calls yep. it. In this, it's goons and villains, but you know, Shane at least renamed it before he put it in his game. Potato, potato. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so first off, a PC doesn't need to roll to outrank a goon in initiative, right? If you're going at the same time and he wants to go first, you just go first because you're a main character, right? Uh-huh. And any goon who takes one serious win goes down instantly. I mean, Basically the same as Savage Worlds. <laughs> anyway, uh, villains can do all the shit that your characters can, right? So um, they, they can do everything. They You have to roll against them in initiative, and they can do specific actions. Goons can only ever do broad actions. So basically what they'll do is they'll say, right, I'm wading into the fight. They'll just they'll just go in fist swinging. That's what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, And they'll just hit whoever they hit. Or they'll shoot into a crowd and hit whoever they hit. Villains, however, main characters, they can do all the stuff you can do. Okay. And that's basically the difference. That is about it for rules. I mean, if you look at the character sheets, they're really, really simple, right? Yeah. They're like the size of a half a sheet of A4 paper. Wow, okay. And they're really, really, really simple. So there's not that many rules to the game, actually. Um, just, And that's about it. But... I want to just clear one thing up. You can create your own characters, but only if you own the Judge's Survival Guide expansion, right? Ah. And bear in mind, nobody owns that, because if the main books are burnt in a fire, as if you're <laughs> going to try and get a supplement, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, also, what's weird is the Judge's Survival Guide, it actually contradicts the game, because DMs are called referees in this game. Oh, so yeah. why it's called that, I have no idea. Where's the Judge come from? No, I've, I haven't a clue. I, I haven't the faintest idea. Obviously, it's a different writing team, and they didn't share information. <laughs> yeah, and they also got the wrong film. It's like the Back to the Future survival guide. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's worth noting at the time, in 1984, only the first two Indiana Jones movies were made. So that was when this game came out. And the adventures available for this were just the movies. In fact, an issue of Space Gamer made around the time. A reviewer by the name of Steve Crow had this to say, and I think it's actually very, very good. He says, Indiana Jones, as in the role-playing game, is so locked into the concept of the two movies that it's practically useless for anything outside of reenacting the movies or similar plots. FGU's Daredevils and Hero Games Justice Inc. both take a broader look at the genre of 30s role-playing, giving you a chance to take your life into your own hands with characters of your own creation. Indiana Jones does neither. (laughs) And to be fair, he couldn't have put it better, because imagine this coming out at the time, and the only shit available was something all the players at your table had already seen. This is one of the biggest movies ever made. You know what I mean? Oh my God, it's like, right, so we're playing a a little little, little adventure called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, I hope you haven't heard of it. It's like, come on, mate. You know what it's like, you know, if you say, when you go to run a one-shot and you you just quickly ask your players, have any of you actually read this? And it's like, no, good, because I want to run it. And it's like, (laughs) have any of you seen the film? And everyone's like, yes. And you're like, okay, I'll just put that back on the shelf then. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It didn't didn't do itself any favours, because I think if you scratch past, there's potential there in some ways. But I don't know. No, I I agree. I actually agree. And and we'll get to that at the end, because... um, I do actually agree with you. There is there is some good nuggets here so far. As a simplistic yeah. role playing game for newbies, it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. But then, no. 
then the, as a newbie, you'd think, okay, so I have to run these pre-published modules then, and oh, it's just the same with the film. It's I just mean, the it's films mad. that we've all seen. I love that. It's so locked into its own concepts, <laughs> the movies. Yeah, yeah. And now, let's be fair. The first Indiana Jones adventure, the Lost Ark Adventure Pack, the characters have to find the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis, and it takes place in 1936 Egypt, which is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. And the second adventure, the Temple of Doom, you go to India and help some natives retrieve a sacred stone from an evil cult. Oh, yeah. Both, both adventures come with giant poster maps of the areas and shit, which is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. But as we said, these movies are the most popular movies of all time, so what's the point in recreating them when all the players will know what happens, or at least broadly know the scenes? Other adventures were made, though, including two by Tracy Hickman of, of Dragonlance fame, who I've just found out, actually, was a man. Oh, wow. That's okay. fair enough. A man yeah. called Tracy. That's fine. You mm. know, it's 2020. Now, these were based on... Uh, the, the adventures that he wrote were based on other Indiana Jones media. For example, one of them was called Crystal Death, and it's based on the Adventures of Indiana Jones comics by Marvel Comics. So, at least these aren't the movies. Chances are people didn't read those, unless you're no. a super nerd, you know what I mean? Mm. Well, there was a, I think there was a. I'm sure there was a. I can't remember if it was an animated program or 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 not. But it was the young Indiana Jones stories, which were pretty popular when we were younger. I, I'm sure. I That's not. It. it must have been. It must have been an animated series because sure every film that was made for adults had an animated series. Yeah, that's know. true. Yep. In the nineties, anyway. Mm-hmm. Like Ghostbusters. Oh, I don't mate, know, actually, yeah. was that for adults? I can't. I can't remember. That's another one. I've only seen half of Ghostbusters one. <sighs> Ghostbusters 2 is fantastic. To... Mate, where have you been? That's what everyone tells me, that Ghostbusters 2 is the best one. Oh, I don't know, so when good. I was a kid, I was just a, I was a bit strange. So, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, but let's talk about the adventures, right? The, the really strange thing about all of them is how they work and how you run them. It's not really player-driven, right? The players are given a few choices for what they may want to do. For example, the adventure... Um, that comes with the actual box set is an adventure based on another Indiana Jones comic called The Icons of Ikanmen. And it's basically a bit where the enemy are loading the icons onto a boat, right? You're supposed to get these 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 um, statues, okay? And they're loading them onto a boat and you've been captured and you have to roll backbone to stay awake and keep an eye on them through the slits of your prison, basically. And if you fail, you don't see where the boat went, then you just tell the player, now you have to plan your escape. That's how it goes. So you just right. tell them you have to plan your escape and if they're having trouble coming up with a plan an NPC just tells them what to do and you don't have to roll and the scene plays out you win just without rolling and the whole campaign sort of funnels you through like this so you get to a conjuncture right there are bits where it says right um, the players while flying flying the plane um, it doesn't work and it crashes no roll that's just what happens. That's the adventure, <laughs> and th- uh, that's all right for the, like, say, for example, the setup of an adventure. You just you could say you've yeah. crash landed on this, but this is like midway through the campaign. It will tell you things like the players will wake up to find that all their stuff has been s- stolen, or what if they had a lookout? Well, no, it doesn't matter. Doesn't it's matter. Just like it's just like shit. So someone who someone who's written this maybe not might be the most experienced role player or they were trying to make it for an audience that wouldn't get Doesn't that and they were care trying to simplify about that agency and they just want they, I just want to play the film yeah yeah well exactly and the way I would put it is this is this is a choose your own adventure that you can play together that's what yeah. it sort of is it's actually a nice idea but the but but what it's just I can see why RPG fans didn't like it do you know what mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. this goes against everything we stand for <laughs> exactly they're like oh can I um, can I at least you know try to pilot the plane yeah. no. No, 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 no 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 it's no. going down um, okay so nothing at all not even if I hold the steering wheel no sorry no 
Okay, you might as well just have the DM right. Just watch the film, like have it running on a little screen behind the uh, DM screen, and just say, <laughs> "All right, now Indy's punching a guy in the face. All right now he's so, running. Right, one of you've got well, who's Indy? You're Indy, right? You got to punch this guy in the face, but I don't want to. We was just having a conversation. No, but the film says so. Oh, and then you just pause the movie, and if they roll the right amount, you just continue playing <laughs> just and describing play. what happens on the screen. <laughs> That's how you're supposed to play it. There's there, maybe there, maybe there's some um, game designers listening to this game. Exactly, you've got it. Finally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's understood. Uh, now, as I mentioned, right, the orig- I own the original box scent. A uh, box scent. Box. Oh, Ooh, no, you've got the. You, well, you own that too. You do own that too. Got, uh, that, yeah, that comes a, it with has it. got a terrible scent. <laughs> I can't box fucking scent. speak today, man. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. I was up. I was up late last night playing Resident Evil Three, and I think oh, I think it's fucked go. me up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I own the box set and all its contents. So let's have a look at what you get inside, right? And actually, this is quite fucking cool. You get some 3D papercraft terrain, right? Such as doors, Ooh. walls, and traps, which is fucking cool. Yep. You get paper minis, right? Uh, which is where the Nazi TM thing comes from. <laughs> and and it's all, all these. You get all the characters in paper mini. The rule book, which actually is only 64 pages, mm. and you get an evidence file, which contains all the handouts for the adventure included in the book, which is really cool. It's like. Yep. I like that a lot. And you also yeah. get a world map and the GM screen, right? And the GM screen, it, the front of it, it's got three little scenes on it. So you can fold it and have that as the backdrop for what you're oh, playing, that's nice. the scenes. That's cool. Yeah, and as you go through the adventure in the book, it will tell you. you What you need for this is screen panel number three, these, these enemies, and for these people to be playing. To the point where the first part of the adventure, right, because in the comic the first part of the adventure only included Indiana Jones, right? You can only play it with one player because what? Indiana Jones is the only... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the point is, yeah, if you, you, you call up your group, right, and you're like, oh, I've got this great new adventure game. We're all going to play it together, right? And everyone's like, oh, sweet. Who do you want to be? And then one guy picks Indy and you're like, right, nobody's allowed to the first game, right? But you come into the story in the second one, so I'll see you then. <laughs> and then like a few games later, a couple more people join and eventually you've got the whole cast. I mean, what a oh, fucking what? stupid idea is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's oh god. All right, they should have at least rewritten it so the characters were together from the start. I mean, that is mental. Well, it's the yeah. I, that's if it, it, I think it's struggled. It, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it's 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 obvious that it had just had the wrong people behind it in some ways, or maybe some of the wrong people behind it that had a little bit more of a kind of decision making level because it's just like. Like you said, there's the, the It's actually written well in in a lot of places, but the fact is, it's not a role playing game. It's something far from it. But, but it could be though. I mean, it's it's a not a terrible system. It could be easily. The fighting's all right. Yeah. It's a, it's basic, but it's it could be fucking fun. Mm-hmm. And I I agree with you. This stinks of management decisions. Yeah. This is this this to me seems like they were like, okay, we're not selling enough. We want to appeal to the common man. And they love Indiana Jones. And the designers were bringing them, you know, new drafts of it and shit like this. And they were just like, more simple. Cut that out. No player agency. People will get confused. Don't you understand? I bet they, um, I bet they, um, they went, look, well, uh, I bet they was having a board meeting and they went, next bit on the agenda is combat, but it's a big bit of text that I don't understand. So we'll skip straight past that. Yeah, yeah. And that's how it stayed in the book. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, a, it's a bit mad. I, I actually think it's got a... It, it, if you look at the characters and you look at the way the game works with the percentiles, this is a fantastic system for sitting down one night, bullshitting, having some beers and just and playing like through a little one-shot, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's... that's it's a, it's a one-shot game. It's nostalgic as hell. Um, 
maybe I would probably do it that but, that whoever gets to play indie is is randomly decided rather than people fighting over it. Easiest way to sort it out. And I also think I, I think a little bit of it, um, you know, it, it, the, the the main flaws are with the way the adventures <laughs> are designed and the way the game is 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 sort of touted to be played in the book. And actually, it's not awful. And I, I actually think we should crank this out one day and play it if we can get over the smell. Oh, no. Oh, God, yeah. If we can get over the stench. Um, no, absolutely. I mean, the, the Indiana Jones stories are brilliant. They've, like you said, it's it's the it's the quintessential pulp story. You know, it's got everything. It's got Nazis. It's got adventure. It's got romance. What, what, what we could do is... It's like what we could do is play the um, play the Ark of the Covenant mission, whatever the fuck is that called? Raiders oh, the of the Lost, Lost Ark. Ark yep. That's it. And we could we could play through that, and then um, maybe have it so that instead of sticking to the adventure in the book, the things can change. Right? We'll play out the first scenes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. see where it goes, and that that could be really fun. But yeah, I just think it, it suffers from it suffers from tr- attempting to appeal appeal to people who never would have heard of it in the first place. Exactly. And then. By doing not so, appealing to the people that would have heard of exactly. it. Exactly, and by doing that, it 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 I think it kind of pushed out the actual people that wanted to play a role playing game. So, so it falls between. Yeah. No, it, it kind of almost lands in no man's land because it's not it's not good enough for a role player who likes role playing games. But at the same time, it's it's a role playing game. So someone who just likes the movie is going to struggle with it. It's a shame. Well, this is. It, what it reminds me of is um, uh, back in the day, I remember um, Peter Molyneux, designer of Fable and uh, notorious liar, um, <laughs> said said about Fable Two that he wanted to uh, he wanted to make a game that appealed to non gamers, and it, he, then Penny Arcade drew up a poster for it. It was like Fable Two, not that you give a fuck. <laughs> it's like it's so true because because if you, if you're trying to appeal to non gamers, how are they going to hear about it? Yeah, I mean absolutely. it's just fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. But that's Indiana Jones and the RPG. Um, essentially, I mean, the the story about it being incinerated because it's because of it being terrible is pretty much a half truth. And yeah. yeah, I can see why they didn't renew the license. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, uh, the wrong people yeah. were behind it. Yeah, and as a collectible, I think it's great. And mm. if you can pick one up or, or or maybe find the rules online, I don't know. Um, then uh, give it a bash. Yeah, uh, because I think it could so. be a laugh. Just make up your own little adventure or something like that. But you know what? All they had to do was put in the book. If you're, if you don't want to do this adventure, make your own. You are, well, uh, TSR did that great thing with fucking. Uh, what was the um, that one? This Palace of the Silver Princess, mm. where to get newbies in, it was a mostly designed dungeon, and some of the rooms were blank, and you could fill them with what you wanted. There you go. Maybe they could have done that. Exactly. They could have done it like um, like Pinnacle do nowadays, where it's like, okay, the first adventure is this, then the second adventure is this. However you want to get them to the second adventure, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. You you fill in the gaps, and then it would have got people more used to running adventures. Yeah. Trying to aggressively railroad players and GMs <laughs> is not the way to do it. No. It really isn't. No. But yeah, um, well, that that was it. And now I want to just say thanks to James Clark for buying me that for my 30th birthday. Mm. Great fucking treat. But yeah, yeah. let's go on to some electro letters. Oh, let's do it. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the electro letter. So... We asked you all to send in your cringiest RPG moments. 
Because, you know, we've all been there, man. There's been times that have made us absolutely cringe at an RPG. We we know these games are lame, but we like them anyway. That's that's the thing. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, this hobby attracts a lot of weirdos. It really does. <laughs> as much as we like it. I mean, we are them. So we don't, are them. You know, yeah, exactly. It, it's not like I'm being offensive. But the first one comes in from Daniel Irwin. And he said, there was once a player who, as a character portrait, produced a centerfold picture from from Playboy. <laughs> that's class man that's real that class I wonder how <laughs> what would be horrible is if he opened that up and, and you heard this sort of as the pages were stuck a little together bit, there was a little bit of resistance and he went oh, 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 oh no. sorry boys <laughs> yeah uh, I, I mean that is that's just weird I don't even know what to say about that but this one I think is pretty interesting Daniel Owen comes in with another one he says or another who wandered around claiming to be, be the noblest of men, <laughs> expecting those around him to shout his name in praise. But every time he turned his back on people, someone would mutter wanker under their breath, <laughs> just loud enough that he could hear it, but never loud enough that he knew who it was. Turns out it was the other players. <laughs> that That is, that's really bizarre. The noblest of men. I am the, no- I am that's the noblest whole, of men. That's just his bio. So on his character sheet, he's written it itself and it just says nobleman. The noblest of men. Oh, God. What does that mean? You know, then? I I understand why people think this hobby is full of morons and lame ones. When you get people like that walking around, I mean, it's like, mate, just just be normal. Just be yeah. normal. When you're Come in the on. game, that's when you could be a fucking wanker. But just yeah. Christ Almighty, <laughs> um, Trevor Hurst. This one's a fucking good one. He says, "I quit playing RPGs in 1993 when I went to college. There was a campus group for playing Dungeons and Dragons. I was excited to attend the first meeting." It was horrid. They didn't play D&D. They played Vampire the Masquerade. They played it as a LARP. I'd never heard of the game or the style of play called LARP. It was all the bad gamer stereotypes representing. I didn't even know gamers stereotypes. It was all new to me and cringeworthy. I put down my D20 and didn't pick it up again for 10 years. Oh, Trev. That's a rough one, man. That's a rough one. Bizarrely enough... I played RPGs a little bit when I was younger and one of my first experiences of playing with people outside of my friend group was also a LARP and uh, it was a vampire LARP as well. I was there for about 10 minutes before I left. (laughs) Um, Anyway, Owen Lean, he says, first time I get up the courage to play a female character. One guy, playing the same min-maxed murder hobo he plays in every game, decides that this is hilarious and took every opportunity to belittle her extreme-level sexism verging on sexual assault. When I make an offhand comment about what his character was compensating for, he stands up and loudly screams, Steve has a massive dick! (laughs) Begins a five-minute tirade defending his precious character's engagement before finally whipping it out to prove it out of character. I got up, walked out, never played with that misogynerd again. Last I heard, he was in prison in Slovenia. <laughs> he also follows up with PS, it was unsurprisingly tiny. Of course it was. That's... <laughs> the, what the fuck? That See, is the I thought we were going to get, like, like low-level shit here, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. People are going to be like, oh, this guy once did a strange voice, uh, or this guy did a character where all he ever did was fishing, or something like this, you know? And it, <laughs> this is insane. Steve has a massive dick. <laughs> <laughs> we need to we need to interview that guy, man. Yeah, oh, no, he's in it? prison. I was in prison. Yeah. Oh. Gary McCallum. He says butthole cave granny world. You know it. Cringe. <laughs> Say no um, more. I've told this story on the podcast before, <clears throat> and I th- actually think I did on the last podcast. But anyway, this uh, yeah it was basically this guy who ran a game for us at con, and at the last um, encounter, he says you go into the bowels of the cave, and he showed us a picture of a colonoscopy on his phone. Yeah. And Gary was in that game with me. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I mean uh, that 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 is mad. But that's that's what we got for the cringe. And I actually think that's pretty that that that's pretty encouraging because we got we got three um, really good fucking answers there. Yeah. And I think that tells us that maybe it's not as cringe as we thought it was. Mm. Yes. Yeah, well, I have to feedback. say the centerfold picture from Playboy is a character thing. Like that's weird. And, and whipping your dick out. I mean, I mean, come we on. do it, but when we do it, it's ironic. So, <laughs> yeah. it's okay. It's all you know? good. Yeah, it's all good. That is weird, isn't it? Have you ever that... witnessed any major cringe in RPGs? Yes. Yeah. Of course, I have. Um, oh my god. When any anything that's got a romantic element to it gets pretty cringe. And need. Oh no. Do you know what? As well, cringes me when um I can't remember who it was now, but you know when like. You're having to play a character well it's not even a player character it's more the character of a player character doesn't can't can't has to have the last word and if they don't with an npc they will just have to, oh. do you know what i mean i it's hate, just I like, hate that you're going to it's a like you would never you would never do that in real life and i know yeah there was somebody somebody i i, th- I think i think i and i know i think we're thinking on the same wavelength but yeah there's a player that we played with before and it's always like as the, as the shopkeeper's like, right, you come in here, you're demanding discounts. I've never met you before, and now you're, I see you trying to steal. Trying get to out of my steal. shop. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and, then, and then the player's just like, dick, as they leave. And it's like, is he a dick? You just came in and fucking... And then, yeah, you're mm-hmm. just... Just shut up. Just, and before you know it, you're yeah. fighting the shop, the shop person for no reason, and then everyone's after you in the town, and you're like, we've only just got here. Yeah, well, I have a couple of um, cringes. Obviously, the the uh, butthole gra- cave in Granny World was was pretty bad. But the yeah. Um, yeah, I have one actually similar to Dan Irwin's. That guy that was walking around claiming to be the noblest of men, uh, um, <laughs> fucking uh, <laughs> fucking uh, gone on the cob. <laughs> <laughs> there's this guy who makes chainmail, right? And he'll oh. sit drawing portraits, making chainmail, all of this shit, when he's supposed to be supposed to be DMing. And I, had, I do hate the term man spreading, right? Because anyone can spread their damn legs. But yeah, this guy, he, he's like he's he's having a competition with himself to be as manly <laughs> as he possibly can. And he's just a fat nerd, but he's got like his his legs like so wide open, making chainmail in the middle. And when he's not playing a game, what he'll do is he'll walk around wearing chainmail and just sort of stand like his legs so far astride you could get a bus through them <laughs> at your table, just looking over it like he's a god, right? Oh my god! Another one I have, uh, another cringe moment that was really fucking funny when I was at um, Con and the Cob, right? There's um, that that con celebrates weirdness in all its form, in all its forms, right? So. One of the guys that you you get furries there. That's, I'm just I'm oh, just wow. going to say it. You get furries, you really? right? Okay. Anyway, there was this guy walking around as like a furry dragon, right? And he had this big fucking dragon costume on. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking Gary, one of one of my friends. He was in our hotel room, which looks out into the car park. We're all out there smoking a cigarette, and then this um this furry guy comes out, and Gary thought it was a chicken for some reason. No idea why. <laughs> and he shouts out the window. He's like, "Hey, you wanna you wanna go and um fight Peter Griffin in your chicken suit?" And the guy got really offended because he's like, "No, this is this is my real personality. I'm, I'm a, a dragon." dragon. <laughs> and he the guy took his helmet off, and he's like, "You wanna?" fucking come down here and say that you fucking piece of shit you fucking you call me a chicken you fucking peter griffin motherfucker and he's standing there just in this full fursuit and gary starts shouting back and he's like you little bitch i'll come down there and kick your ass you fucking chicken bitch you're not gonna start imagine seeing gary fighting a dragon with a human head in a car park (laughs) yeah and it was so weird because they were arguing about the stupidest thing and all it was was crossed wires they didn't particularly understand what they were saying what they were saying (laughs) 
<laughs> they were just arguing. Gary was in a t- like two floors up in a hotel window, and he was standing in a car park, a dragon with a human head. Oh my so god, that sounds weird. brilliant. That's got meme written all over it. Um, there was a, <laughs> yeah. there was more cringe at that place, wasn't there? When uh, with drunk people playing fiasco, I cringed from that, and I weren't even there. Oh, that was horrible. That was horrible. It was. Uh, uh, it was basically somebody had to use an X card because somebody was somebody in this fiasco game. Everyone was really drunk. It was like a horrible night, and one person had sex with a corpse after its head had been shot off, and somebody had sex with a pig in the same fucking game. That's pretty and I saw an X card get pulled. To be fair, the person who was responsible for that was one of the listeners of this show, who I have spoken to and met before, and he's really weird. Matt Jones from the Imaginary Ramblings podcast. He is weird, man, and and uh, not in a bad. Well, in the bad way. A He's a great guy. I like him. <clears throat> yeah, we all like him. Right, um, but that is it for the feedbacks. No, it isn't. But that's it for your um, cringe um, that you've sent in. Really fucking good examples there. But yeah. I want to go into some general questions because we got some here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Owen Lena says, "General question: and what thing have you stumbled across online or during anything else? Gestures to Harrison's anime collection that you really, really wish you could unsee, besides the bowels of the cave." Um, first of all, I, it's a, it is a misconception that I'm into anime. I'm really not. I mean, if you if you listen to the anime podcast I made, that podcast made me hate anime. I despise anime. I think it's all all rubbish and it's all for kids, except for some movies. But um, yeah, anyway, uh, stumbled across online. I want to try and try and keep this keep this somewhat light because I've stumbled across some pretty bad stuff online. Oh, me too. Oof. Like, I mean. I mean, you. We, we all saw it. They got sent around in school. You know the the sort of uh, jihad beheading videos and all oh, of this. Oh God, yeah. But uh, I, I, we'll try. We'll try. To, we'll try to keep this light. Uh, something. Something I've stumbled across online that I wish I had. Probably, I would say Reddit because I know it's a cesspit of morons. But I, I browse it so much. Yeah, that's I delete true. it from my phone about every week and put it back on there again. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll be like, you seen this new subreddit? Or you'll be the same. You're like, oh, you've done it again. I'm back in there. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you get into like, like I, I, there was one I, I got onto the other day. <laughs> this is really funny. Called suddenly gay, which is brilliant. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. There's this one yeah. where this guy walks into a room naked as a prank to like shock his mate, and he walks in, and um, his mate just goes, "Sweet dick, bro," and just high fives him. <laughs> yeah, mate, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, that, that's a bad agree. one because I, I lose, I lose a lot, a, a lot, a lot of time to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't really think of anything that isn't really, really fucking horrible that I've stumbled across online. <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, I suppose, I guess, uh, well, oh, bloody hell, it, how easy it was, it was when, there, you know, when before the pandemic, it was to get hold of online secondhand stuff, RPG especially. Yeah, actually, that's, that's another thing. good point, because that's one thing that really hurts me in the wallet. Yeah. It really hurts me in the wallet. I wish I, w- I wish that, that. oh, uh, I guess Bobby Evans... <laughs> there's the reference no, that's a joke that's a joke yeah I don't know man that's a difficult question because I guess it, yeah there's a lot of things that a lot of things on the internet that I waste my time with and I wish I wish those things I, I hadn't seen and also a lot of things I just don't really want to mention you know yeah. but um, he also has another question where he says we're all stuck at home with nothing to do Anyone, any chance we could have the next part of the void K thanks bye for those that don't know the void is is the worst <laughs> fantasy novel ever written and it was written by a guy I used to work with. And I've got the whole thing. I did do a reading of the first chapter. Um, Should we do the game? Should we bring the reading game back? 
for old times' could, sake. I tell you what, I actually did record the second part of it, and I realised that there before I, I've read the whole book, and I read it at work, and we used to take the piss out of him, and he was our boss for a bit actually. Um, <laughs> but we, the thing is, there's a long, really long, boring bit between the next really stupidly funny bit. Um, where they're just travelling through the woods and nothing happens for three chapters. Rough did the best And then, of. of course, one of my favourite parts, the p- bit that we always took the piss out of him for, was that um, there's a bit right, and it's described like this. It says, as, as they were walking through the woods, a character in a yellow um, overcoat and a uh, red cape jumps down from the trees, and Falcon says to, her, says to this um, shady character, um, you're a stealth assassin. And it's like, in what way? They've just jumped down in the most obvious way possible. They're wearing bright colours. And so why would the main character assume that? And he then changed it so that she was wearing black. But I'm like, still, you've just jumped down and go, and you're like, you're a stealth assassin. assassin. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. You're neither stealthy, nor does he actually try and kill the main character. But there you go. Yeah, well. Yeah, so the answer is probably not. I'm I'm probably just going to shelve that because the, the void, as funny as it is, um, it really, really uh, is boring as well. So um, I, I will send it to anyone that wants it, though, if you want a copy. Come and get it. Anyone that comes to SavageNet gets a free copy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll do. Yeah, yeah, we'll send it to people that come to SavageNet. Um, Terry Hansen, he says, I was thinking today, I'm running a D&D 5e game for some friends and I'm running a Savage Worlds for my kids. After a long stint of D&D with a splash of Pathfinder 2e, I used to think I had to focus primarily on one game and be super obsessed with it, but now I'm finding it's nice to have the variety of playstyles and systems. I know your group changes systems often. What is your opinion and thoughts on playing multiple systems? Uh, Nick? I love it. The more the merrier. You, the more the yeah. more systems you try out. I, I think I think the way that we do it is normally quite good because if we're bringing a very very new system dynamic in, we're often give it a one shot try or, you know, try it out first. But for the most part, yeah, I, like, I always like to look at new systems. But that's not to say that the more variety of systems you've got, the more there are good systems out there because some could be shite still. It's a case of if it's whole if it seems like a fun system to play, I would always like to try it. I'm never I'm never afraid of trying a new system out. Well yeah and, and I feel like um as much as we love Savage Worlds, which is a generic RPG, yes. often you find the ones that are made with specificity in mind that that tend to be better. And that's that's kind of my opinion. That's why in fact I play multiple systems mm. because if I want to play Gonzo Fantasy, the likelihood is I'm going to play DCC. If I want to play more straight-laced fantasy with a bit of crunch, then I'm going to play D&D. Yeah. If I want to play Cyberpunk, the chances are I'm going to play fucking Shadowrun mm-hmm. because it's awesome and it's geared up towards that, you know. And I like playing new systems because it makes me more aware of certain things that, that you know, I didn't know of before. Yeah. You know, I, I, didn't, I had no idea how much I was going to love Savage Worlds before Nick decided to run mm-hmm. it. And so, yeah, I think it's really important to play new systems and to get and to use the right one for the right game. Totally that's, agree. That's my thoughts. yeah. You build in your toolkit, and then you get to a point when you're like, right, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I want to run an adventure. What was going to be the best suited system so the players can get the most out of this story as well? And um, also, which is nice, is the more systems you play, you have the opportunity to cherry pick really nice little bits. And, and bolt them onto the game you're playing. Well, it's as I was saying, you know, like I'm I'm gonna nick a bunch of shit from MCC and America and yep. put that into my fucking Fallout game. Precisely. And you, yeah, even if you just pick them up to read to cherry pick the good bits out of, you mm-hmm. know, that's good. And, and like one of the things is, you know, I've got Savage Worlds and I could play, you know, a cowboy game in Savage Worlds easily, 
but I wanted something with more specificity and more where the game was built around fucking cowboy shit. So I bought Aces and Eights. There you go. Cipher System is another one as mm-hmm. well. We've already got a g- two generic RPGs that we really like in GURPS and Savage Worlds, but Cipher System offers something different. So we'll play that. Yep. You know? And hopefully that's what Nick's going to run next. Yes. We're going to be doing destiny yeah will be definitely uh yeah thank you very much for your uh for your questions and uh and thank you very much for all of your bloody <coughs> um cringy moments that you shared with us great ones there and also uh yeah just if you want to email us about about anything you know we will probably read it out and uh yeah just just keep those coming man during the week we love them that was and, our old uh, thing also wasn't send it? Us your feedback do you remember that that was our old thing anything you send us we will read out no matter what it is <laughs> Yeah, well, I thought people had forgotten about that, so I kind of wanted to to leave that. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry. We don't do that anymore. Right, let's do an outro. <laughs> yes, do it. All right, so this is the outro. Um, we're on the Nerds International Network, so check out other shows on that network, such as the Murder Hobo Show, which is my favourite my, my favorite RPG podcast at the moment. I'm absolutely loving it. Just did an episode on Deadlands as well, where they talk about what's coming up for Deadlands and um, let's talk about the system in general. Um, also, um, bear in mind that we've got quite a few products out at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people have been buying them and, and uh, enjoying them. Just remember, if you do buy them, look up 3T RPG Publishing on DriveThruRPG that um, we, of course, will, uh, will like you guys too. We, we, of course, appreciate reviews. It helps Absolutely. us out a lot if yep. you can get it up in the stars. That'd be lovely. And um, we've, uh, yeah, the, the most recent one, of course, is um, Escape from Station 17, a prison uh, break one-shot funnel for DCC. Mm-hmm comes with everything you need to run the game from pre-gens to maps to new monsters and it is really quite good yes very proud proud dads yep and we're working working on one at the moment called once bitten twice die which we haven't really started but we need to get on that yep, and uh, yeah so and if you want to email us 3trpgpod at gmail.com and also hit us up on all the social medias mm-hmm. and if you like this show sling us a buck on patreon lord knows we need it now more than ever <laughs> To buy supplies. <laughs> to buy supplies, yep. Yeah, we do. And that is about it for the episode, isn't it? Uh, well, no, one last thing. So, Savage Net is on the horizon. Um, just like to do a broadcast regarding any noob GMs. If you do fancy running, um, we have added uh, extended table. So, it's because it's now completely online. We're not restricted to capacity. So, if you do fancy running the game, please get in touch with us as soon as possible. We can get you up on the um, spreadsheet and um, hopefully get some more players in. So, that's open It's now. on the... 18th of uh, of April on mm-hmm. Saturday and also uh, yeah all you need to do is either either email us directly 3trpgpod at gmail.com or go onto the Facebook at SavageCon UK mm-hmm. that's it yep so Nick it's the end of the episode now do you have one message for the world one message for the world mm. yes I do what's that cold beans ain't hot you're absolutely right and also remember that D20s are cool but 20Ds now that's a good time aye <laughs> 